thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Moving over to our co-text, Matthew 21.1, the Bible says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Verse 2, he said, go into the village over there, he said, and you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him. And threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Listen to verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. He was in the center of the procession, and the crowds all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And the entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Must Prepare the Way for His Entrance. Say, prepare the way. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the time you've already given us, God. Father, I pray now that you would give us a supernatural, unique ability to hear from heaven. God, I pray that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to speak the words that you would have me to say. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come here today. We've come from different homes. We've come from different sides of town. We've come from different backgrounds, Lord, but we all have one need. We need to hear your voice. We need to hear from you, God. We need you to speak to us. Encourage us, God. Strengthen our faith. Tell us what you would have us to know. God, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We recognize this day only exists because of you. Everything comes from you, God. Good days, bad days, happy days, sad days. You are Lord of all. And God, I ask you to use this day and this time now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We must prepare the way for his entrance. Today is Palm Sunday. Now, we could have been more liturgical or just more, you know, funky and cut down a bunch of palm branches and had greeters waving them at cars as they drove by. I'm sure some church did that this morning. We could have had ushers and greeters standing in the door fanning you with palm branches, and it would have put in your mind something about palms. A lot of palm branches in Florida, listen, most of them have been transplanted. All those palm, palm trees you see at the, at the kangaroo gas station, they were not growing on the west side of Jacksonville like that. They, they, they shipped those in from somewhere. But it's Palm Sunday. Say Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. I love this time of year. I love this part of the gospel as much as any part that I've ever read. This is the beginning of the Passion Week. This is the day where Jesus makes his final 
triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem and begins the last week of his earthly ministry. Having been born a Catholic, now thank God. Listen, people ask, are we non-denominational? We're multi-denominational. I don't ask anybody to throw away their denomination just to come and worship God with us. Listen, Catholics, they, they, they preserve church history for us. And, and Methodists gave us a, a great method of Bible study. Baptists, you know, they, they're going out there winning the world to Christ. Charismatics and Pentecostals taught us how to worship God freely with, with dynamic expression. Listen, I thank God for the history of the church. And if you didn't grow up in church, you might not know the significance of the days of this week. But I want you to take this week and let it be special to you. I want you to increase your spirituality this week. I want you to invest in your own spirituality. As Christians all around the world celebrate the different days of this final week of the Lord's earthly ministry, the Holy Week or the Passion Week, it, it, it ends on what we call, uh, well, it draws near to an end on what we call Good Friday, which is good news for us, but it was bad news for the Lord. It is it, a blessing to us, but it was a difficult time for him. But it all culminates on Sunday. Oh, man, I wish I had told the sound booth to play. Listen, go on YouTube. Not now. Keep your phones down. Don't, don't be Facebooking in church, y'all. Don't be tweeting and twitting and all that. Listen to God. But you need to hear. It, it's either. I, I, I love E.V. Hill and I love S.M. Lockridge. It's, one, it's, it's either one of them. They both did it. But either one you listen to will be awesome for you. Go to YouTube sometime today and just put in the search box, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And you'll find out what happened on Friday. Listen, it all culminates on Sunday. We call it Easter Sunday where Jesus proved that there is no God but him. Where, where Jesus showed that Christianity is different because the leaders of all other religions, when they died, they stayed dead. But when Jesus died on Friday, he got up on Sunday. And Easter is about celebrating resurrection of the Lord. But Palm Sunday gives us this historical account of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem and people cut down palm branches. Listen, they rolled out the red carpet for him. Here Jesus has been doing ministry for several years Part of that time, he's had his disciples with him. He's been accepted by large crowds where thousands of people flocked for the fishes and the loaves to hear the miracles and to see the show, but where everybody ran from him and abandoned him as he began to teach sound doctrine. And here he comes to end his earthly ministry, and they roll out the red carpet for him because they wanted something. Listen, it's okay to want something from the Lord, but we need to understand what the Lord wants from us. This, this Sunday, Palm Sunday, it, it starts what we call Holy Week. And this week is so important to the Lord that the first three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, devote one-third, about one-third each of their gospel to the events in this week. And the fourth gospel writer, St. John, devotes the entire last half of John's gospel to this one week. Say one week. It's an important week, and it started on this time as we look in our text this morning Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a colt it's the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy in chapter 9 and verse 9 where he said rejoice greatly O people of Zion shout in triumph O people of Jerusalem your king is coming to you 
He is righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. I don't have time because I'm already starting late this morning. I don't have time to preach all of this. But you need to understand, Jewish people were not about the donkey. It was unclean to them. They didn't mess with the donkey. They didn't touch the donkey. They didn't get around the donkey. How is their king? Because they've been believing for thousands of years that the Redeemer was coming. They've been believing for thousands of years Messiah was coming. They've been believing that God was going to get them out of oppression from Rome, that he was going to take them from slavery to dominance, and that the Messiah would come and lead them to their victory. But listen, they would have never imagined that God would bring Messiah on what they considered an unclean animal that they stayed away from at all costs. If you don't hear anything I have to say today, hear this. God will sometimes do stuff you weren't looking for. God will sometimes do things in a way that you didn't expect things to happen. Sometimes God will just shock you, and you need to be willing to let God have his way. See, this is where religion messes up so many people. We look for, we, we, we read stuff and we stay in church so long, we think we figure God out and we put God in this box and say, well, this is how God has to do everything, and if it doesn't work like this, listen, God can do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, any way he wants to do it. And God prophesied this to the people hundreds of years before, and this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. If you really ever start to doubt that Jesus is God come in the flesh, if you really ever start to doubt the legitimacy of Jesus Christ being an all-sufficient Savior, you ought to just Google prophecies about the Messiah and see how many things were prophesied about Jesus. Not just the big stuff, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would come out of the tribe of Judah, but, I mean, stuff right down to the detail that he would come riding on a a colt of a donkey. This stuff could not have happened by accident. And I want to tell you something. You're not here by accident today. Your life hasn't been an accident. The good things in your life haven't been an accident. And I want you to know the bad things in your life haven't been an accident. It's all been part of your journey. And your journey has brought you to this place today. And I want you to allow God to speak to you this morning as we move forward in our journey. Here we have Jesus coming. He's been telling people for years now that he's the Messiah. He's been telling people for years he's the Son of God. He's been telling people for years that he is the great I Am. And people, some people accepted that. Most people rejected that. But they were desperate for a king because they did not like their situation. They were desperate for a king because they did not like their present king. I want you to know the next few months, and I've already been telling my friends and people close to me, I do not like these few months that we're about to go through. Every four years, we come through these months leading up to an election filled with hate, filled with bitterness, filled with division, filled with separation, filled with racism and bigotry, filled, filled with people just, just tearing at each other on the Internet. Listen, so many people use politics the same way they used politics 2,000 years ago. They weren't really even voting for Jesus. They were just mad at who the king is now. Listen, don't choose a leader just because he's different than the leader you've got. Don't, don't let your vote be a vote against somebody. Let your vote be a vote for somebody. And I already told you all, the person that we need to vote for is not on the Republican side or the Democratic side or the Independent side. The only person I'm voting for is Jesus because he's the only one that can get us out of this thing. 
I have had to change the settings on my social media because so many people are just putting stuff on my page. And you, you know, you can just put something on somebody else's page and it just show up on there. Please don't send divisive stuff on my page. I, I believe the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children, All the Children of the World, Red and Yellow, Black and White, They're Precious in His Sight. I don't, I don't, don't put divisive stuff on my Facebook page. Don't, don't be so Republican that you're bashing people. Don't be so Democrat that you're bashing people. God loves unity. Can we believe that? Whew, the devil wants to tear us apart in the next eight months, however long we have, until this thing happens. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people no matter what they do in Washington. Because I don't believe any of their people ever went to public schools on the west side of Jacksonville. All of them claimed it for the common man. Listen, they ain't common as us. I already told y'all, they're no different to me than pro wrestlers. I, I found that out early. I, I used to go every Thursday night to, to championship wrestling from Florida. Gordon Soley was doing his thing. Dusty Rhodes was fighting Black Jack Mulligan. It, it was incredible. It was amazing. But one night, I saw Dusty Rhodes fight Barry Windham, Black Jack Mulligan's illegitimate son. Dusty Rhodes fought Barry Windham, and it was awesome, and they beat on each other hard. It was the main event. But we used to run around to the back and sit on the wall and watch them get in their cars. And I saw Dusty and Barry, Barry Windham get in the same car, and they drove through ABC Liquors downtown Jacksonville together. And I thought, they don't hate each other. They're supposed to be rivals. And then I realized, they're putting on a show. Do you realize no matter how bad these people talk about each other on, on political ad campaigns, they're all drinking the same expensive liquor, smoking the same expensive cigars, sending their kids to the same overpriced public schools, and they don't know anything about what it's like to live in North Florida and face that Monday through Friday grind. They're just all rich together. And that's their goal is to stay rich and to stay in power. That's why it's so important that as Christians we keep our mind on Christ. The people were showering Jesus with praise. They were rolling out the red carpet for him. Why? Because they hated Rome. They, it wasn't that they loved Jesus so much. They just hated Rome. I mean, they, they, people were so hungry to vote for anybody other than George Bush several years ago. And now people are hungry to vote for anybody other than President Obama. And people just want to vote opposite. Listen, stop being against stuff and find something to be for. They were so against Rome that they were showering Jesus because why? They wanted their way out. Listen, God's got a plan for your life, but it may not always be the plan you're looking for. They shouted, Hosanna, which means save us, save us, get us out of our misery, deliver us, get these Romans off our back. But they didn't understand Jesus wasn't coming just to deliver them from Roman oppression. Jesus was coming to provide them access to the Father. Listen, people come to Christ. People come to church when they get down and out. When they're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, they show up and want to talk to the preacher. They, oh, they want to give their life to God. Pastor, I just want to serve the Lord. I know you want your rent paid. They, they want to show up and, and, and just fall in love with Jesus. Why? Because they've got their eyes set on how bad their temporary situation is. Don't be so short-sighted in life that all you focus on is your temporary situation. Because there's a bigger picture that Christians need to think about. There's a bigger picture. You might be on top right now. You might be under. You might be struggling. You might be doing great. But I've already read the end of the book. I know how this deal ends, and we come out on top. We're on the winning team. We, we reign victorious with Jesus no matter what the score looks like now. 
They were so concerned with their present score that they were willing to sing songs and, and, and shower Christ with affection that all of them did not truly possess. But this morning, I want to talk to you about this concept of preparation. I want to talk to you about preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord. Not this coming of the Lord that people debate whether it'll be a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath, non-wrath, no-trib. I'm not talking about when Jesus comes back. I'm not talking about the second coming when he splits the eastern sky, splits the Mount of Olives. I'm not talking about the second coming of Christ that, that starts the whole end of things. I'm talking about him showing up on your job. Would that be good news to anybody? I'm talking about him showing up in your life, in your relationship. I'm talking about him showing up in your checkbook. We need the Lord to show up. But if we just do what we've always done, we're only going to get what we've always had. This is why the Bible says we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. God shows us how he dealt with people in the past and how people dealt with him. And if it worked out good then, it'll work out good now. If it worked out bad then, it'll work out bad now. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we do the right thing, we can get the right result. And I want God to show up. I want God to show up in Jacksonville. I want God to show up in our church. I want God to show up in my life. I want God to show up in my children's school. I want God to show up in our community. But we have work to do. For 35 years, I've been listening to people say, Pastor Scott, I, 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 I want, I'm ready for my ship to come in. When's my ship going to come in? Listen, stop looking for ships and start looking for God. People wondering, when, when am I going to get mine? When is this thing going to turn around for me? When am I going to get what I've been believing God for? When is God going to do blah, 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 blah? Listen, God's already done enough on Calvary. I believe God is waiting on us to do some things. There's some things that we need to do. And they made a preparation for his entrance into their city. And I believe if we will make a preparation for the Lord, we can have him come into our situation. And I want you to listen to this message this morning so that you can do what others did and you can get what they got. They prepared a way for his coming. In our text we read this morning, we see Jesus making this entry into the city of Jerusalem. I want us to notice some things about this passage so we can see how to prepare for his entrance into our life. I want us to see how he came, how he did what he did then so we can see how he's going to do it now. First thing I want you to notice this morning is that he didn't tell them not to call him king. Now, that's a double negative. I love to mess with people's mind. Listen, he didn't tell them not to call him king. So what does that mean? It was okay to call him king. He did not tell them not to call him king. Why is that significant? Because he had spent the last three years telling people, shh, shh, shh don't say that. He had spent the last three years downplaying, in many ways, his greatness and the things that he had done. Think about the leper in Matthew chapter 8. Verse 2 says, Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put his hand out and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. No big deal. Jesus heals leprosy. That's not hard for him. Listen, can Jesus heal AIDS? I wish you could believe that. I, I, I'll take one even deeper to you, especially since I lost my wife to cancer. Can Jesus heal cancer? Absolutely he can. Is there anything too hard for God? No. God is able. He can do more than we can ask or think. So the, the fact that he healed a leper from leprosy isn't the big deal. I want you to hear what the point is in verse 4. Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. What's he saying? Shh, don't say it. Yep, it's a big deal. 
This man just got everything. He just got his health back. He just got healed from leprosy, a disease that caused him to be an outcast and, and to live alienated from his own family. Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Why would Jesus do something great for somebody and then put the hush on them? Why would Jesus do something great and say, see, did you tell no one? Because Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had a purpose in his life. Jesus had things he had to do, and he couldn't just have people crowding him everywhere trying to get what they wanted to get. There was a time where Jesus did not blow his trumpet and have everybody sing his praise out loud. Think about the blind man in Mark 8, 25. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Jesus heals a blind man. It's not hard for Jesus to heal a blind man. Jesus created everything that there is, and it's, it's simple for him. There's nothing hard for him. But after he does this incredible miracle for this man, he says, now don't go into the town telling everybody. Now, you know what they did anyway, right? They, they, they went and told people. But what is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to keep some things under wraps. He's trying to keep some things on the low. He's trying to keep some things quiet. Think about the little girl he raised from the dead in Mark 5. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old. And they were overcome with great amazement. This girl's dead. Jesus raised somebody from the dead. And listen to what he said. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it. Yeah, just raise your little girl from the dead. Don't tell nobody. And said that something should, go ahead and give her something to eat, but don't go and tell anybody. Why? Because he did not want to be overcrowded and prevent him from being able to come and go as he needed to. Listen, there was a time when Jesus flew beneath the radar, but that time is over. Say it's over. That time is over. Jesus is not telling us anymore to hide what he's done in our lives. He's not telling us what he told the blind man. He's not telling us what he told the leper. He's not telling us what he told the little girl or the little girl's family. He's not telling us to shh on the good things that he's done for us. From the time of the original Palm Sunday when Jesus came in, not only has he been allowing people to sing his praise, not only has he been allowing people to declare openly how great he is, he has commanded us to lift up our voice and let the world know that our God is great and he has done great things. Some of y'all living in the wrong generation. Some of y'all living in the wrong piece of history. God is doing things for you and you're keeping it on the shh. That's not our time. That's not a, that was then. This is now. You got to do the right thing at the right time. I got up this morning. I've been dealing with this stomach bug for way too long, running a little bit late. I always take my kids through Burger King, being a single dad. Thank God for Burger King. Hallelujah. They're usually slow on 103rd Street. Y'all know that. I've told y'all the stories, the, the, the incredible stories of the frustrations I've had with the Burger King across the street. I knew we didn't have time to stop at Burger King. Because we need to get here. I knew we had a new worship team going to be leading us in worship. I wanted to come in and meet them. My schedule was off. So I told my kids, I said, are y'all hungry? And I'm hoping they're going to say no. And they're like, yeah, I'm hungry. <sighs> I said, all right. Well, if there's anybody in line at Burger King, we don't have time to stop. So I figure I'm off the hook, anybody in line at Burger King, right? I mean, it's usually wrapped around the building. It's usually I'm looking at my clock thinking we sat here, and I'll clock it. Six minutes, we haven't even inched up yet. 
11 minutes, we only move one car space. They only serve one person in 13 minutes. We come down 103rd Street. I look up in there. Not only was the line not wrapped around the building, there was nobody at the box to talk to. There was nobody in line at the window. The whole place had tumbleweed blowing through it. Listen, God cleared out the whole world off Burger King and did a miracle so my children could eat breakfast this morning. And he didn't tell me, shh. People are debating about whether or not miracles are still for today. Listen, I'm going to tell you the God's honest truth. I was raised on the west side of Jacksonville. I went to school on the west side of Jacksonville. My sister opened the Kentucky Fried Chicken next to the Burger King as the youngest manager in Kentucky Fried Chicken history in the 70s. I've been looking at that Burger King for a long time, and i never seen it empty before. It was a Holy Ghost miracle sent down from God just so my children could eat. <laughs> Arguing about whether or not miracles. If you got here without getting in a wreck today, you know you're not that good of a driver. <laughs> Texting and reading emails on the phone distracted. I, I'm going to just check with y'all real quick. Now I'm going to get you out of here by three. Has, has anybody other than me ever got off the interstate on the exit ramp and get to the bottom of one? I didn't even remember getting off the interstate. Anybody other than me? All right, listen, for me and y'all, if you get anywhere without wrecking, it's a miracle. What am I trying to say? Start recognizing stuff as goodness from God. People like, well, pray for Elder Robin. Pray traveling mercies on Elder Robin as he and Sister Tabitha travel on their week off. Pastor gave them a week off after five years of dedicated service. They take one Sunday off. Traveling mercy. That's awesome. Pray. Traveling mercy. But you better pray traveling mercies on yourself tomorrow as you try to get up and go to work with these crazy Jacksonville people, Orange Park, Middleburg people riding all around you. We need to learn to recognize things as a blessing from the Lord. He didn't tell them not to call him king. I, I want you to get out of this quietness that some of you are in. You, some people never open their voice and thank God for anything. And I try to encourage you. We have testimony night every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and some people always have something to share. Why? I've told you for years. If you start bragging on God, he'll give you something more to brag on him about. If you'll start praising him for doing something, he'll give you something more. And you need to start seeing God's movement in your life. Well, Pastor, I don't know if God ever did a miracle for me. Your heart kept beating all night long, even while you were sleeping. You ought to give God praise for that. You ought to thank God you kept breathing in the middle of your sleep. I'm going to keep moving. Some of y'all, give me strength. Listen, he did not tell them to keep it quiet. Do not keep quiet what God is doing in your life. You need to get a thank you, Jesus mindset. You need to get a thank you, Jesus mouth set. You need to begin to give God thanks for every little good thing you can imagine. If I stop preaching before 4.30 this afternoon, you ought to thank God that you got to get out of here without standing up and walking out on me in the middle of my talking. And I'll be praying on you as you walk out. Hallelujah. Look, I want you to see real quick this morning four things that they did. Say four things. Because if you do what others did, you can have what they got. And what they got was awesome. And I want you to have awesome in your life. I want you to see four things, four actions of the people 
on the original Palm Sunday. And I want you to begin to do these things. Because they did these things and Jesus showed up. And if we will do these things, Jesus will show up. You need Jesus to show up in your marriage. You need Jesus to show up in your relationships. You need Jesus to show up in your friendship. Listen, first thing they did, they laid something down. Say, lay it down. They laid something down. In Matthew 21, 8, the Scripture says, Most of the crowd, most, say most, most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. I don't have time to preach, but if I was preaching this one verse, I would concentrate on that phrase, most of the crowd. How many of y'all know everybody ain't going to do it the right way? Everybody in the crowd is not going to worship. We have people come in, ask us to worship God. Worshiply, listen. Worship leaders, and I've been trying to tell them for years, stop begging people, stop. You listen to worship leaders on the radio, on television. Listen, don't waste a lot of time watching bad preaching on TV. Go ahead and spend time with your family. Throw the ball in the backyard. But you got worship leaders, they've got this niche now where they say stuff like, I just dare you. I dare you to lift your hands up to the Lord. I just dare you to go on and praise him. I just, I dare you just to shout, shout unto God. I just dare you. We're daring people in church. Why? Because people won't do nothing. I didn't know how belligerent folk are. Well, don't dare me. <laughs> Anything but that. You know, you know how stubborn, hard-headed folk are. They, they'll take a dare on anything. When people come together to worship the Lord, when it's called a worship service, when people say, we're going to worship the Lord right now, I just want you to lift your hands and sing to God. Do you realize everybody don't lift their hands and sing to God? Am I right, worshipers? Every People just standing there. What are you doing? You're not part of most. Now, I thank God he said most. I've seen times when it wasn't even most, though. I've seen times when most of the people with nose-picking wedgie-pulling and wasn't doing much for God. But at least on this day, on this Palm Sunday, most of the crowd got involved. Listen, when you come to church, you need to be on the involved half. When you come to church, you need to be in the, you need to sing to the Lord. Well, I didn't know that song. I didn't ask you that. Sing to the Lord. You, you need, the Bible says lift your hands in the sanctuary. You need to lift your hands. Well, I'm not sure about all the theological implications and, and, the, and, and, and the scriptural proficities of what it actually means. If, if I lift my and, and do I do it this way, should I put a lean on it, whatever, left hand or right hand? I'm just not really sure. And, you know, and some of y'all just so Baptist, if, if you got mugged in downtown Jacksonville, the criminal would have the wrong one if he said, put your hands up. Not me. I'm Baptist, dude. Lifting my hands for nobody. Listen, I was saved in a Baptist church. Lighten up. Some people just refuse to do what they're supposed to do. Well, why do I? I don't understand all that. I already told y'all. I don't understand how the, the pistons go up and down in my car. I don't know what all them belts are doing. I don't know why it costs so much to get an engine fixed on a Lincoln Navigator, but I know when I turn the key, it starts. I know when I put it in drive. I don't know exact. I know there's a term called transmission linkage. Ain't I so smart? I don't know what it does. It hooks stuff up together to where when I move the gift shift, it engages something. I couldn't point to the spot where it engages. Now, Brother Jim could. He could tell you where all that is. Some of you mechanic types could do that. But listen, you don't have to understand how the electricity works to turn the light switch on, do you? Some of y'all still trying to peek and see if the light's on inside the refrigerator. 
Listen, as long as the milk is cold, it doesn't matter if the light's on. I thank God for the good upbringing I got. I was raised by the meanest red-haired white woman on the planet. My mom did not give me explanations for anything, and I thank God for it now. My mom, don't ask my mom why to this day. My mom is 73 years old. You ask her why, you're probably going to get more than you expected. But her answer, well, y'all, y'all know me. It, some of y'all sitting around, I hear this stuff at Walmart. It drives, me, it drives my kids crazy, too. My kids look at them and say, they just need to beat them, don't they, Dad? I say, yeah, they need to beat them. Why can't I throw the chips on the ground? But why do I have to pick them up? Well, if you ask why one more time, my mom is going to fly down here from the, from the panhandle and slap somebody. Listen, my mom had one answer for, for why to anything. What, what was the answer? Because I said so. Ours is not the question why. Ours is but to do or die. God said he puts before us a choice to be blessed or to be cursed. Bless, he tells us what to do. He blesses if we do it. He curses if we don't do it. Listen, when God said, sing unto me, you better what? When God said, lift your hands in the sanctuary, you better what? When God said, live holy, you better what? When God said, give all your money in the offering plate, you better what? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They lay most of the crowd. That's always your hard-headed people. They ain't going to worship God. They ain't going to give no money. They ain't going to smile. I can preach as funny as I want to. Listen, I picked my nose and pulled my underwear a minute ago. Some of y'all didn't even smile. That's the funniest thing you ever going to see anybody do in a pulpit. I am sweating in my feet right now with this hot suit on. Do you understand? I don't wear suits to church that much. This is, y'all need to just relax for a minute. Most of the crowd spread their coats. Why? Because they they were excited. Why? Because they were rolling out the red carpet. Why? Because they were making preparation. They were laying something down. They, they, They were laying their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. Here comes Jesus riding on a donkey, not a horse, not a chariot, not something awesome looking on on an animal that the Jews considered unclean. But these same Jewish people, they took their coats off and they laid them down. Not so Jesus wouldn't get his feet dirty. He wasn't walking. They laid their coats down so this animal that they deemed unclean could stomp on the best that they had. They did it as an act of surrender. They did it as an act of humility. They did it as a way of giving something that they had to show deference to the Lord. Some of you heard the expression, the clothes make the man. That's not just true in this generation. That's been true from day one. And some of these people, the only thing they had were the clothes on their back. But they understood that if you want to get something, you got to give something. So they laid something down. It was as if they were laying down their pride, their possessions, their power. Some only had the coats on their back. I want you to know God wants us to do that today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to lay your coat down so some donkey can come and walk by it. But if you want Jesus to show up in your life, you better lay something down. you you got to surrender something. You've got to give up something. Pastor Jack Hayford wrote a great book titled The Key to Everything is Giving. Some people won't read it because they think it's talking about money, but it's not talking about money. It's talking about life. If you want more of something, you got to give it away. The Bible says that you reap what you sow. If you give, it'll be given to you. If you want more joy, guess what you got to give away? 
If you want more friendship, you got to give away friendship. If you want more love, you got to give away love. And I thank God because I got money in my pocket today, and I realize the truth of God's word. If you want more money, guess what you got to give away? They laid something down. Not only that, but second thing they did, they cut something down. Say cut. Verse 8 says, and others cut down branches off the trees. Now, I would love to believe that this encompassed the whole crowd. Most of them throwing coats down. Others of them cutting branches down. But listen, I've been preaching for a long time, and I know some people just do nothing. Don't be a do-nothing saint. Don't be a a do-nothing come-to-church person. Do something. It says others cut down branches off the trees. Now, there's a lot of commentary in the Bible about what palm branches signify, and they signify a lot. They signified a lot to Rome. They signify a lot in the Bible. The Bible uses them to talk about power, righteousness. Uh, During that day and time, palm branches were a national symbol of the Roman government. The money that they had had a palm branch stamped on it. So the palm branch was very popular back then. We could say that they were, the people were giving these palm branches to show that their allegiance wasn't to Rome, but to Jesus. We, we could say that it was about the righteousness that they believed Jesus had, but I don't want you to think about the palm branch this morning. I, wanna, I don't want to focus on what the branch represents. I want to focus on the cutting. Say cutting. Say I did lawn maintenance for years. I was bivocational in ministry, and I did lawn maintenance for years and cut down a lot of palm branches in my life. And listen, they just don't fall. You just don't look at them and say, branch be down. Keep trying that foolish theology all you want to. Keep keep speaking to your branch and expect it to fall off. Listen, get you a saw and cut it down and say fall when you when you make that last cut. God God blesses you in your doing. It takes work to cut down palm branches. They they had to do work and listen, one of the least favorite topics in America in 2016 is work. It's sad because it used to be, I used to be able to preach that this young generation of kids don't want to work, but we got a generation of adults right now that don't want to work. We got a generation of middle-aged people and growing into their senior years that just want everything handed to them. I want to tell you one more time, as long as God gives me strength, I'm going to keep saying it. Work is not part of the curse. God did not curse us with work after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God gave us work when the world was perfect. Work is a good thing. Say good thing. They cut these branches down. It, it signifies work. If you want God to show up in your life, you, not only do you have to lay something down, your pride, your possessions, your power, but you also have some work to do. I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about this this morning. How do you work for the Lord? How do you serve God? What do you do to use your gifts and your talents to help advance God's kingdom. What are you personally doing to prepare the way of the Lord? Some of these people were rolling out the red carpet of palm branches. Some of these people were were rolling out the red carpet of their jackets and their coats laying down. Others were working to cut down palm branches, but they were doing something. I'm going to tell you, we got far too many people showing up in churches in America today doing nothing. And the churches that are growing the fastest are the ones that expect nothing. I tell, I'm talking to Pastor Gene yesterday. Y'all, y'all know Pastor Gene Dillon, my dear friend, best friend I have in life. We were talking yesterday about church and life, and the churches that are exploding in membership are the meet on Sunday morning, give you the big show on Sunday morning, don't, don't say anything about what God expects out of you, send you home, and tell you, we'll see you back next Sunday. 
Don't expect anybody to show up to a men's Bible study. Don't expect anybody to show up to help with the youth. Don't expect anybody to serve in the nursery. Don't expect anybody to do anything all week long. Why? Because people want blessing without price. People want favor without doing any effort. And that's not the way God works. you got to do something to get something. The third thing that they did, they lifted something up. Say lift. In verse 9 it says, he was the center of the procession. And the crowds all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. They lifted up their voice. And I want you to get in the habit of preparing the, the pathway for God's presence. I want you to get in the habit for your home, for every church service we have here, for your workplace, for your family members. I want you to prepare the way for Jesus to show up. You got to surrender stuff. You got to do some work for him, but then you got to lift up something. The Bible tells us constantly to lift up our praise to God. You ought to sing loud. I don't care how good you sing, and neither does God. Listen, you know somebody really loves you if you can't sing and they let you sing in front of them. Listen, dude, some of y'all, y'all your, your wife got you tricked into thinking she, she likes how your voice sounds. She likes you. And it just feeds over into your voice. And she, and she accepts that. Because God loves us, he wants to hear our voice. Not just pretty worship singer voices, old raspy preacher sounding voices and everything in the middle. You need to lift up your voice unto God. If you want to see God show up in your life, you got to lift up your praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, by him, talking about Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I want to look at this verse real quick, the way we always look at verses. you got to pay attention to the punctuation. It'll help you understand it. By him, capital H, that's Jesus. By Jesus, therefore, let us offer... The sacrifice of praise to God continually, comma, pause on it. Think about it. Let us, who's us? Christians, offer the sacrifice of praise to God how often? Continually. All right, now here's the deal. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I'd like to get you something, but you're a hard man to buy for. And, and I tell my kids, I don't want anything for my birthday. I don't want anything for Christmas. I don't do all that stuff. We buy stuff all year long. Listen, if I needed it, I'd already have it. I, the, what, what I, what, if you want to get me something I want... Ask me specifically. If I have something specific, I'll let you know. What am I saying? If you want to give somebody the right present, give them what they want. But here's a tip. Men, if, you, if, you, if your wife has blessed you with a few children, you know, she can put on a few pounds over the years. Don't hate. It happens. And you're thinking, what can I get her for her birthday? A treadmill is probably not the right answer. <laughs> a membership to the gym, if she's not a gym person, probably not the right answer. The latest book on how to lose 10 pounds in 10 days, probably not the right. Listen, if you love somebody, you give them what they want as a gift. Do you love God? You need to give him what he wants. What does he want? What, what, what sacrifice, what offering does he want from us? He wants us to give him praise. Now, if I walked around the room this morning and said, how do you give God praise? We get all different types of answers from all different types of theological and denominational backgrounds. And there are different ways to praise the Lord. But listen, praise is a verb. It takes action. Say action. 
You can't come in church and do nothing and say you praise the Lord. Well, I praise him in my heart. You can't praise in your heart. You can worship, but praise takes action. And I love this verse in specific because it tells us exactly, stay with the verse. It tells us exactly, y'all see what I got to deal with? They're doing a great job. It tells us exactly what this praise means. That is, so to say, let me hip you to this. Let me tell you what it is. It's the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. It's your mouth saying, thank you, Jesus. Now, I don't know when the last time you said, thank you, Jesus is. I don't know when the last time you said, thank God is, but you need to get a thank you, Jesus mouth. You need to thank God for everything. You need to thank God when your car starts, because if it didn't start, you surely would be complaining. I love testimony Brother Jim gave one night. He thanked God for a working refrigerator. I thought, I've never thanked God for a working refrigerator. But I ain't never had one break. I hope it'll be running when I get home. Hallelujah. You know you didn't open that refrigerator last time you opened and say, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, da, 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 da. You did not just break out into praise over your working refrigerator. But when it breaks, you sure complained about it. I need to start thanking God. My dryer, I bought a brand new dryer a couple years ago from Lowe's, one of them expensive ones. That thing keeps breaking down. I, st- I need to start thanking God for when it runs because I sure don't like it when it doesn't run. What am I saying? We need to say thank you to God for everything. Start thanking God. This is not optional, y'all. This is required. You want God to show up in your life, you got to prepare the way. How do we do that? We lift up our praise to God. How do we praise God? We say thank you. You want to know what God wants from you? Well, it's manifold. It's many things. But one of the things is for you to continuously be saying thank you to God. Psalm 23 tells us that God inhabits the praise of his people. You want God to show up? Start praising him. You want God to get all over your life? Start praising him everywhere you go. You want God... To be with you in your car, sing praise to him. You want to be with you in your house, sing praise to him. You want to be with you in your relationship, sing praise to him. If you want to see Jesus make a triumphant entry into your life the way he did into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, you need to lift up your voice and praise him. Listen, stop trying to be pretty in church. Stop trying to be sophisticated. Stop trying to be dignified. you, You need to get ugly sometimes in praise. You need to weep and cry and squall. You need to get on the altar and snot and slob it out. If you never had to pull your car over on the side of the road because you were listening to Nicole Mullen saying, I know my Redeemer lives. If you never had to stop because the tears and the snot was about to make you wreck, you need to start learning how to get in deeper with God. You need to lift up. It, ta- it takes energy. It takes work. Don't just, I surrender all. You're not surrendering anything with that. You are going through the motions. And that's not what real love is. God wants to see us give it up for him. And you need to lift up your voice in praise on a regular basis. Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. But think about it. What type of preparation did you make this morning for even coming into this place? Did you even pray before you got to this place? Did you ask God anything before you sat down in this chair? You had to drive to get here. Nobody slept here overnight. But on your way to coming in this place, did did you talk to God at all? Did you praise him at all? Did you thank him at all? Or did you just show up and wait on him to bless you? We got it backwards. We're waiting on God to make the next move. He 
responds to our praise. And we need to begin to make preparation for his manifestation. The proper preparation is to lay something down. That's total surrender of yourself to him. I wonder if you've done that. Have you given up anything of you to God? Are you different than you used to be? The Bible says if you're really a Christian, you become a new person. Have you given up any of the old you to embrace the new you? The proper response to his showing up is praise. Do you praise him? I've already said if you sing more in this building than you sing outside this building to God, your praise is messed up. We're only in here for a couple hours a week. I know it's longer than most churches, but we're not here that much. We need to sing more outside this building than we sing inside this building. We need to read more word outside this building than we read inside this building. We need to thank God more outside this building than we do inside this building. Listen, I want God to show up in my life every day. See, I really need the Lord. Some of y'all don't need the Lord as much. I get that. You're okay. You're all together and everything. I need the Lord. I am a train wreck as a human being. I am dysfunctional. I am messed up. And I need God just to regulate my mind to even be able to be nice to you. Pray for me. I already told y'all. Y'all never had to worry about me being one of these fake preachers, one of these Ashley Madison preachers. Y'all never had to worry about me being one of these preachers that's living a dual life because I ain't that gifted. I ain't that slick. I ain't that together. I already told y'all, if I was to go two days without reading my Bible, if I was to go three days without saying my prayers, I'd be off the chain so hard, I'd be on the front page of the paper. I'd be shot out full out of gas. They'd be talking about me all over Jacksonville. And I thank God I know I need him. Man, when they, we used to sing that old song, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Man, I can't mess around and be away from God. It starts showing up. People will be like, I thought he was supposed to be saved. I thank God I need the Lord every hour. I thank God that I understand that I want him in my life. I want him to show up in my children's life. I want him to give me wisdom. I want him to bless my coming in and my going out. But for that to happen, I got to do some things. I got to praise him. He said he shows up for our praise. If we really want to see him make a triumphant entry into our lives, we got to learn how to open our mouths and constantly be saying thank you to him. I want him to show up in this church. He said in the Bible, every time we gather in his name, two or more, that he's there in the midst. Why is it that some people can come to church and and just enjoy the service and leave saying, I felt the Lord today. And other people leave saying, "Eh, you know, I'm thinking about looking for a different spot. I don't feel it like I used to feel it. Listen, the music didn't change. The preaching didn't change. The Holy Ghost didn't change. The Bible didn't change. You changed. Why didn't you feel it? Why didn't you feel anything? Because you weren't doing what God required of you. You ought to bring your praise with you when you come. You ought to have your tithe check made out when you come. You ought to be ready to give God honor and praise. You ought to be, we shouldn't have to beg people to go around and shake hands. Jesus said the two most important commandments in the world, you love God and you love people. You ought to come in on ready. All we should have to do is unlock the door and say, go on and get it. Go on and worship him. Go on and pray him. But we're begging people to give money in churches today, begging people to praise God in churches today. And we wonder, why is the world so messed up? 
We wonder why has America fallen so far away from God. We wonder why are our youth so jacked up. It's not a mystery. If you don't do the right thing, you're not going to get the right result. We got to surrender to God. We got to work for him. We got to praise him. Fourth and last thing they did, they told the world who he was. Say, tell somebody. In verse 10 of our text, the Bible says, And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? This community needs to be asking, What's going on? This community needs to be asking, What are they doing up there Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 that they're not charging all those children money to, to feed them and to help them with homework? What are they doing up there? What, what, what's going on with park cars in that parking lot every day? What's going on when they got kids showing up? What's going on? People walking to church up there. What's going on? Who is, who, what's, what's happening? Listen, if nobody's asking what's happening in your life, I got news for you. Ain't nothing happening in your life. People need to be wondering, what is up? How in the world are white people going to church with black people in a racist city as Jacksonville? They got to wonder, how in the world are black people going to church with white people in a racist city as Jacksonville? How in the world are Hispanics even showing up in the middle of all them white and black folk? And how bold must Asians be? Hallelujah. What is... People need to be asking what's going on. They ask, what is this, all this about? Who is all this? Rough? They're cutting down palm branches. They're throwing jackets, letting donkeys walk on jackets. Who is all this for? Verse 11, a multitude said, this is Jesus. You need to be telling somebody, why are you different? Why don't you do the same things you used to do? Well, I love God for realization moments. I do so love God for realization. When I realize I'm saved for sure, hallelujah. I, I, I love God for realization moments. When somebody cuts me off, when somebody does, when they bump into me and look at me like that and I don't hit them, I, I know I'm saved for sure. They cut me off in traffic, shoot me a bird, and I don't just run my 8,000-pound Lincoln Navigator long, stretched out edition, slam over their little smart, stupid car. I know I'm saved for real. I say, hallelujah, God, because that could have went a different way. You ever been in a position where somebody did something to you and you, and you acted right and you knew that could have went a different way right there, but I'm saved for real. I give God all the glory. Hallelujah. Man, that'll just make a Presbyterian speaking tongue. Realization moment. Why is it that way? It's because of Jesus. Gee, who is this? It's Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. There is a reason why the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has power and other churches don't. There is a reason why we are able to come together and do the things that we do around the world. There is a reason why we are able to walk in unity and love together. Why? Because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Jesus is great and greatly to be praised. They lifted up the name of Jesus. See, people got it wrong in this generation. Everybody wants Pentecost back. Everybody thinks that if we could just have signs and wonders in the church, if we could just have more miracles in the church, that the community would come out, that the church would grow. The church did not grow because of miracles that were happening in the first century. The church grew because everybody went around saying, have you heard? Have you heard? Did you hear? Jesus came back from the dead. He died, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. 
loud. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And they spoke the name. They said the name. They gave credit to the name. They told everybody the name. This is what made the difference then. And this is what will make the difference now. Can you say his name? My dad messed around before he died and got caught up in a cult called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We know them as the Mormons. My dad got caught up in this thing. And back in the 80s and in the 90s, they didn't say Jesus very much in the Mormon church. And they said they don't say his name because they, they don't want to make it common. And they try to reference how the Jewish people didn't say Jehovah's name. Listen, ain't nowhere in that Bible it says not to say the name of Jesus. We're here. He's not telling us, Shh, keep it on the low. You ought to shout it from the mountaintop. I'm different because of Jesus. I'm saved because of Jesus. I'm not cussing you out because of Jesus. I'm not on drugs and alcohol because of Jesus. I'm not laid up in the bed right now because of Jesus. Who is this? It's Jesus. They told the world who their king was, and we need to do the same thing they did. You want what they got? They got Jesus showing up right there in their face. They got Jesus large and in charge, present before them. Well, we got to do what they did. We need to tell people who our king is. We need to tell people who our Savior is. We need to tell people who we're believing on. We need to make sure that we, we're preparing the way. So think about this in closing. Have you laid down your life for him? They laid something down. Have you laid anything down? Have you laid your life down for the Lord? Have you ever been saved? Has there ever been a time in your life where you had a person? I'm not talking about joining a church, walking an aisle, praying with some preacher. I'm talking about true Holy Ghost salvation. I'm talking about a time in your life where you had a supernatural experience where God changed you, where you quit being you and you started being somebody God created inside of you. Have you ever laid anything down? They went to work for the Lord. They cut those branches down. Are you working for the Lord? Are you doing anything? I thank God. We got young couples in our church aspiring to be future deacons. We got people serving in ministry here. We got people aspiring to ministry to eldership. We got people who are going to work for the Lord. But that's not everybody. Some people just showing up for the fishes and the loaves. Some people just showing up to see what crazy thing he'll say this week. Some people just showing up because they were made to show up. Listen, go to work. Go to work for the Lord. They lifted up their voices to God and Jesus came. Are you lifting up your voice? Listen, I don't believe if you won't sing in church that you're really having some hallelujah praise fest in your house. We need to begin to sing to the Lord. Well, Pastor, I'm not a singer. I'm not a music person. I didn't ask you that. That's not the requirement. He doesn't say, if you're a musically inclined person, sing to me. He said, sing to me, all you people. Everybody. If you want to honor God, you must sing to him. There is no way around it. Well, I don't like singing. Well, all the more so. God knows you don't like singing. If you sing to him and he knows you don't like it, he's, he's, he's going to appreciate that. You got to lift up your voice in praise to the Lord. Last thing they did, they told the world. There was no more hush. He did not tell them. See that you don't tell anybody that. They shouted it out. And I want you to know in 2016, it's time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to shout his name to the whole world. Oh, people are so proud of their political candidate they're so excited about bumper stickering and t-shirting and, and man all these people showing up protesting and wasting time 
Listen, what are you doing for the Lord? There is no king other than Jesus. There is no hope outside of Christ. All these people just lie and saying what they think you want to hear so they can get your vote. But the one person that truly deserves to be praised, the one person that truly deserves to be stood up for and clapped for, the one person that truly deserves for us to daily roll out a red carpet for him to come into our life, the one person who deserves to be worked for and, 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 and deserves to have his name magnified in all the earth is the Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time you told somebody, I believe in Jesus? People that get on, on social media and talk about what they, songs they like, movies they like, candidates they like, restaurants they like, recipes they like, pictures of their children, pictures of themselves, buy selfie sticks. Listen, you got issues. You walk around with a selfie stick in front of me, I'm going to talk about you. People will do all that stuff, but do you brag? Four people just looked at, looked at somebody sitting next to him like, who do you think he is? <laughs> Laughter does the heart good like a medicine. Learn how to enjoy life and learn how to say his name. Learn how to say his name. Start telling somebody on your job. just want you to know I love Jesus. So I know a lot of people can't say that because they'd be like, yeah, yeah, me too. Live a life that when you tell people Jesus is your king, they won't roll their eyes and doubt you. Live a life to where you can sing the praises of Jesus Christ publicly and the world will know. Here's one of the greatest things. I'm done with this. When unbelievers can say to you or about you, I don't believe what Deacon West believes, but I know he believes. That's an awesome thing. When somebody can say, I don't believe what Sister Julie believes, but I know she believes it. That's an awesome thing. We have the only answer that can save the world. And that answer is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him in a close and in a personal way, I've got great news for you today. The Bible says that if you'll call on his name, he'll save you. The Bible says you can't come to him unless he draws you. If you ever feel God pulling on your heart, leading you, making you think about becoming a Christian, you ought to just open your mouth and ask God to save you. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to walk an aisle. I'm not even going to do a public invitation today. I want you to know, though, God loves you, and he has the answer for your life. And all we need to do is call on him. I hope you'll call on him. I hope you'll call on him and let him save you. For all eternity. I hope you'll call on him and let him deliver you from all your troubles. I hope you'll call on him and let him comfort you in all your struggle. I hope you'll call on him and let him come into your daily life as your living king. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for the love that you have for us. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for this time that you've given us together today. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house and to read your word. God, we thank you for Palm Sunday, Lord. We thank you for the life that you lived, where you came and you lived a perfect life on this earth. You suffered, you bled and died, and you rose again so that we could have life. We believe in you today, sir, and we thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, for giving us this place to come, to gather together, and to worship you. Father, I pray that you would give us passion to tell the world that you're our king. Father, I pray that you would help us to lay down our lives for you. Help us to go to work for you. Help us to lift up our praise to you. Help us, God, to tell the whole world 
Why are we how we are? It is because of Jesus. Why are we saved? Because of Jesus. Why do we have hope? Because of Jesus. Why do we love God? Because of Jesus. Why do we read the Bible? Because of Jesus. Why do we give our money? Because of Jesus. Why do we love people? Because of Jesus. Help us, God, to honor you in everything that we do. Help us, God, to put you first. Help us to love you and honor you each day in our life is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.